We are now going to welcome Tope. Why don't we give Tope a wonderful, warm Life Church welcome as he comes and speaks to us this morning. Tope, let me pray for you, my friend. Father, thank you for this man. Thank you, Father, for how he's even encouraged us uh, over recent months and, and years as he's dropped in to, to our setting, in our context, to speak your word to us. Lord, I pray, oh, oh God, would you speak through him this morning to us? Lord, I pray you'd give us open hearts, receptive hearts. Holy Spirit, we ask, would you speak through your word? It's yours anyway. Would you speak to us uh, this morning as Toppy preaches his heart out? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, great to be here with you. I do pray that, you know, God will will be with us. I pray that we're going to have a blessed time as we, you know, hear, as we share from his word this morning. So I'm going to be preaching from uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 to 19. I'm going to read it uh, in, in a little while. Just kind of give us a, an, an introduction, maybe an overview of what we're going to be talking about this morning. You know, in this section of Peter, he's in this section of the letter, he's talking about suffering. Um, you know, suffering is maybe not one of those topics or subjects that uh, we often like to talk about. Uh, we all, I think, normally, naturally, we probably would tend to shy away from suffering. Uh, there's a natural instinct that we have to maybe want to protect ourselves, you know, from things that would cause us to suffer. You know, we have a natural tendency maybe to just want to live in a bit of comfort and live in a bit of ease. And that's, I think, is the normal uh, human reaction. But the one thing is that when we come to Christ, you know, when we are saved, we, we're born again, one, of the thi- one thing is that suffering is part and parcel of what it means for us to be Christians. You know, if they, were, if they were to write a job description of a Christian and, you know, one of the things that will be asked of us when we become Christians, suffering would be up there in that job description. You know, Jesus himself puts it this way. He says, if the world hates you, know that, it's, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they kept my word, they will also keep yours. So Jesus makes it very, very clear. He's very, very upfront uh, with the disciples. You know, this is one, this is John 15, very upfront with the disciples that if the world, the world hates me, the world will hate you. The world has persecuted me, the world will persecute you. So it's one of those things that I think as Christians we need to come to terms with and we need to get to grips with. And I think it's one of those things that um, these churches that Peter wrote to, it's one of those things that they needed to come to terms with and get to grips with. You know, a lot of them were Gentiles, you know, they had, um, they, they had been worshipping pagan gods and then they had come from that place of worshipping pagan gods to accepting Christ as Lord and Saviour. And with that came a lot of kind of, of pushback. You can imagine that some of them were maybe the first in their household to follow this new religion. And maybe they suffered rejection because of that. 
You know, some of them could have been in situations, I guess maybe work situations, where they would have come under a lot of, of, of pressure, a lot of pushback, because they had chosen to follow this new religion. So they were living in the midst of a hostile society. You know, they were the minority. You know, Christianity was in its early stages there. They were definitely the minority in a pagan world and possibly were suffering a lot of hostility. So then the question is, how do they, how do you deal? How do they deal with this hostility? And that's what Peter is addressing in these verses. You know, if anything, I think Peter's, what he's saying here is how do we as Christians suffer well? It's a bit of a paradox there, you know, because suffering isn't one of those things that you, would, that you would kind of associate with, that you want to do well at. But what Peter's talking about is, how do we as Christians, how do we suffer well? I'm reading from 1 Peter um, chapter 4, verses 12 to 19. I'm reading from the ESV version. It says, beloved, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So here we have it. Here's Peter, you know, speaking into the lives of these people, telling them about what does it mean as a Christian to suffer? How do we, how, how do we suffer well? And I think that our situation kind of mirrors a lot of what they were going through. You know, I would say that as Christians, we are probably the minority um, in, in this nation. Um, we live in a society that is hostile to Christianity. You know, a society that um, all the time is kind of pushing back on what we would regard as established Christian values. Now, I might say that maybe our suffering is not as extreme as it may, may, may have been for these believers, probably not as extreme as it is for brothers and sisters who live in other parts of the world, like China, for example, or in the Middle East. But one thing is that um, we can, we do, some of us maybe here have suffered for our faith. Now, suffering might, have been, might, might be as, something as little as maybe being ridiculed by someone at work, you know, because of your faith, because of your stand as a Christian. Um, we used to witness regularly um, in South Ockenden, where our church is based, we used to go to the marketplace once a month and, and witness. And I guess on the whole, we got a good reception from most people. Most people were happy to kind of listen and hear what we had to say. But once in a while, you'd come across people who would um, be a bit more robust in their kind of opposition to you. And they might call you names, might say, oh, you Christians, you're all bigots and things like that. And, you know, 
that's one, that's one of the areas where we as Christians, when we stand for our beliefs, we might face opposition from society. You know, sometimes we just have to deal with that fallout of how family, friends, people at work, um, you know, how people will react to us because we're Christians. Now, when that happens sometimes, it's very easy for us to want to take the easy way out. And the easy way out is to keep quiet about the fact that I'm a Christian. Typical example, tomorrow is Monday morning. Monday morning, some of you go to work, and at work, someone might ask you, how was your weekend? What did you get up to over the weekend? And you probably say a whole load of stuff that's happened over the weekend, but you might just conveniently leave out the fact that this Sunday morning, you were at church. But you know, the easy way out is not the way for us as Christians. And what Peter's speaking about here in these verses is the right way to deal with suffering as a Christian. And you know, Peter has some form here. We do well to listen to him because Peter was the one who denied Christ three times. He tried to do it the easy way. But from his experience, he realized that actually the easy way is not the right way. So he's going to look at the text there and just see what is the right way? How do we as Christians grapple when it comes to suffering? I think the first thing is that we shouldn't be surprised by it. Now, Peter in that very, in verse 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Suffering should not surprise us. It shouldn't surprise you when people ridicule you for your faith. It shouldn't surprise you if sometimes friends abandon you, turn away from you, because you have taken a stance as a Christian. Suffering should never, ever surprise us as Christians. And it's important that we determine or govern how you handle. The mindset that you take into a situation will often determine or govern how you handle that situation. So if you're the kind of person that every time, you know, somebody says something against you or they turn away from you or you hit some wall or some reaction because of your faith and it's always hitting you by surprise, then you're not going to handle it well. But when you kind of go into a situation and you're prepared and you're actually, you know what, if I come into this place and I say I'm a Christian, they know that I'm a believer, then it's possible that I will get some pushback. It's possible that I will get some ridicule. I will get some insults for that. And you've prepared your heart for it. And I think you go into that situation and you handle any potential pushback or insults. You handle it in a much, much better way. I know the word of God teaches us, like I read what the words of Christ, that is something that we should expect. So it should never, ever, ever surprise us. Now, I think that sometimes, you know, we, we're surprised that it happens and sometimes we can be surprised by the intensity. You know, Peter describes it as a fiery trial. Now, a fiery trial does not sound like something pleasant to me. But Peter says that, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. So, yes, sometimes, and who knows, I mean, in, in, like I said, in the nation where we li live now in our society, I would say that the persecution of Christians is not at an extreme, but who knows how things will go. What Peter is saying that when that fiery trial comes to test you, don't be surprised at it. 
Don't treat it as if something strange. Oh, what is this? Or say, why me? Why me? Why me? Peter's probably saying to us that we should be saying, why not me? I expect this. You know, this is happening to me. It's not strange. It's not a surprise to me. You know, in a, I think it's Acts chapter 14, verse 22, where is it Paul and Barnabas, where they're about to leave and so they were strengthening the Christians and they told them that with much tribulation, we shall enter the kingdom of God. You know, something about these early, the early church, the early Christians, that they were prepared for this. They were, it was something that they were ready for. Their minds were tuned to the fact that they were gonna hit opposition because of their faith. And so the first thing that Peter tells us is that we have to be tuned to that fact that we may hit opposition. In fact, many times we probably will hit opposition because of our faith, because of the stance that we've taken in certain situations. And when you consider my earlier illustration about you know, going to work on a Monday morning, if you go to work and you actually are already prepare your mind to the fact that actually if I tell people that Sunday morning I was at church, there could be some ridicule. There could be some people who will laugh at me and say, oh wow, church, I didn't know people still go to church these days. I thought you were more intelligent than that. There could be that kind of pushback. But when you're ready for it, then I think you're emboldened as a believer, you're emboldened as a Christian to be bold, to declare who you are, bold to declare where you stand, whatever situation you find yourself. And then Peter says, says, do not be surprised. But so if we're not going to be surprised, then what should our reaction be when we face suffering? And then Peter kind of counterintuitively says, when you suffer, rejoice. When you suffer, rejoice. And how can you rejoice in suffering? How do you rejoice if as a Christian, the first one in your family to turn to faith, your family rejects you. How do you rejoice in that situation? You know, how do you rejoice if going out on a social evening with your friends, but because they know you're a Christian, they know there's certain things that you will not do, they make you the butt of jokes. How do you rejoice in that situation? How do you rejoice if at work, people, because they know you're a Christian, you're gonna come under greater scrutiny your words, your actions are going to be judged because they know where you stand in terms of your faith. How do you rejoice in that kind of situation? And I'll say, humanly speaking, it's impossible. Thinking about it as a human being, natural human being, it's counterintuitive for me to rejoice when I face those kind of situations. But the wonderful thing is that with God, all things are possible. And I think that it's only God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit that can give us reasons to rejoice in situations where we would otherwise not be able to rejoice. And I think first thing is that we can rejoice because when we suffer, we enjoy greater fellowship with Christ. You know, Peter says rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. That's quite an interesting statement, we share in Christ's sufferings. Now, I don't think we can ever truly compare what we will go through with what Christ went through on the way to the cross and on the cross. But I believe that when we suffer, we somehow are joined with him 
in that place of suffering. It somehow gives us a greater appreciation of what Christ went through for us on the cross. You know, it is sometimes where you kind of have a, a closer bond with people because you've gone through a similar, similar situation that they've gone through. So, you know, somebody's going through something and because you've gone through that, you're able to kind of have that bond, that kind of, you know, because you understand what they're going through. And I think there's that sense where we have this greater sense of intimacy with Christ because when we suffer, we understand what Christ went through for us on the cross. So we can rejoice in that because what joy it is to know my saviour, to understand my saviour, to appreciate my saviour in a deeper and more intimate way. So we can rejoice because it draws us closer to Christ. Then we also rejoice, the second part of that verse, Peter says that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. You know, we can rejoice in that place of suffering because we have an eternal hope. And we should never ever take this for granted. You know, many times when we go through things in life, and it's not just about suffering because of our faith, when we go through things as, as believers, I think that one thing that keeps us grounded, one thing that kind of keeps us going is keeping our eyes fixed on eternity. You know, knowing that whatever it is that we go through in this world, it's temporary. It's for a season. By eternity, where we'll be with our saviour forever and ever. You know, that place where Revelation says that God will wipe away all tears from their eyes, there'll be no more pain, no more crying, that that is eternal. And that should, must keep us going. You know, in Romans 8, 18, Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Whatever it is that we go through, you cannot compare it to the glory that's going to be revealed when Christ returns. Paul puts it another way in um, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18. He says, for this light momentary affliction, say as I puts it, light momentary affliction. And I doubt any of us have ever suffered or will ever suffer as much as Paul suffered. Read Acts and see what Paul went through as a believer. But Paul said this light momentary affliction, he saw it in a different way. Why? says this light mirror affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He could see his suffering as light and momentary. Why? Because he compared it to eternity. It says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're temporary. They're here for a while and they're gone. But the things that are unseen are eternal. You know, the glory that is yet to be revealed, the glory that we cannot see, but will one day be revealed when Christ returns, that is eternal. And we can take great joy in that. We can rejoice in that. We can be glad in that, that actually one day, Lord, you know, all this stuff I'm going through, all this stuff happening in my life, one day it will all be over and I'll be with you, be with Christ, my Lord and Saviour in his eternal kingdom. And that's something to rejoice about. And that's what the early church, these Christians, that's where they kind of had their anchor. That's what they rejoiced in. So they could go through those things because they kept their eyes fixed on eternity. And we can go through if we keep our eyes fixed on eternity. So eternity shouldn't be something that is kind of abstract in us. Let, it's real 
it is real. It is going to happen. Christ will return. We will be with him in glory. We will shed these mortal bodies and put on the immortal. You know, bodies that will never perish, that will not grow old, they will not grow weak in any way. There is so much to look forward to. And when you have that in mind, you, in, that, in those scenarios, whatever you go through in this world, whatever you suffer for the faith, just cause you to rejoice because of the glory that you know is going to be revealed. Then we can also rejoice because we are God's people filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that we enjoy deeper intimacy with the Holy Spirit when we go through difficult times. You know, Peter, he says, um, if you are insulted for the name of Christ in verse 14 of chapter four, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. You know, there's a blessing in suffering for Christ. Why? Because the spirit of glory and of God, it rests upon us. The spirit fills us. And uh, he kind of goes back to what he says in uh, what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 11, where it says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil falsely against you on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. You know, we are blessed because the Holy Spirit rests upon us. You know, when we suffer for our faith, I believe that in those times, we can enjoy a deeper experience, a deeper intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Now think of the example of Stephen in Acts chapter seven, verse 54 to 55. It says, now when they heard these things, Philip, uh, sorry, Stephen about to be martyred, says, now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, that Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. How amazing. You know, at a time when you probably wonder that what would be going in his, through his mind about to be stoned, martyred for Christ, we're told that Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit, a deep experience of the Holy Spirit. He gazes up into heaven and sees the throne of God, the glory of God, and he sees his saviour, Christ, standing at the right hand of God. You know, those are the kind of things that take us through difficult times. Those are the kind of things that take us through situations where people insult us, ridicule us, or persecute us for our faith. And bringing it to a close now, you know, in all of this, one thing that, you know, we should expect suffering, rejoice in suffering, and then we trust God in suffering. You know, we hold on to him. We trust him. We trust that he will get us through that situation. He will get us through the difficulties, the challenges that we're facing. If at the end, Peter verse nine says, therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Now Peter's making some, a few important points here. You know, firstly, don't think that suffering that you go through for your faith is outside of God's will. Don't think, don't believe that it's outside of God's will. It's not caused by God, but it's not outside of his will. And very often God will use it to, to shape us. He will use it to, to build us. And, so, and he will use it as well as a kind of test, you know, for us to examine ourselves and see exactly where do we stand in the faith. 
And he does make a parallel to judgment in the previous verses, but I don't believe he's talking about the condemning judgment when it comes to us believers, but it's more about a purification, a kind of examination of us, of our hearts, of our souls, and where do we stand with Christ. So, and then as we suffer, Peter says to us, commands us, entrust your souls to a faithful creator. Now that word entrust is like, as a banking term. What he's literally saying is that take your soul and deposit it into the hands of a faithful creator. And these are the same words that Christ used on the cross when he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Father, into your hands, I entrust my spirit. So we're not entrusting our souls to anyone. We're entrusting our souls to a faithful creator. You know, we're entrusting our souls to the one who created the entire universe. We're giving him our souls and saying, Lord, guard this deposit of my soul. And he's more than able. And I don't think it's an accident that Peter uses that word creator. I think that's the only place in the New Testament where God is referred to as creator. He's telling you that if God, the creator, created everything, sovereign over all things, you can entrust your soul with, to, with him. And even if in that place of suffering, it means that you lose your life, God would still, you have that guarantee that God will take you, your soul, into his eternal kingdom. You know, God, there is no bankruptcy with God. There's no bankruptcy with him. He will guard that deposit and bring you safely home. Then how do we show that trust? Peter says we show that trust by continuing to do good while we're suffering. By continuing to do good. It's not a time to take revenge or plot against those who are kind of working actively against you. It's a time like when Christ was on the cross to say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. It's a time like Stephen when he was being martyred to say, Lord, do not commit this sin into their hands. That's the time that it's for. So bringing it all to conclusion, I think for, my, for myself and probably for most of us, I'll probably say that compared to what Christians went through in the past, compared to what Christians, some Christians are going through today, I, can't, I won't say that I've suffered much. I mean, like I said, the worst I've probably had is some ridicule going out um, in the market in South Bockenden to share the gospel with people. But even in those times, I can testify of the, 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 the peace, the, the, the joy that I've had in those times. I mean, never once has it happened and I've kind of felt that, you know what, I'm going to go home, I'm going to pack it up and I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. Actually, whenever it happens, I feel emboldened, I feel keen, I feel... I want to speak to the next person, even though I know that speaking to the next person could maybe bring similar or maybe even worse. But I just feel this energy, as it were, you know, from God through the Holy Spirit to want to do more for him. And I think that's what happens when we take those bold steps. So can I encourage you all this morning to take a step of faith? You know, don't shy away from this. Shall I say embrace it? Embrace it. Don't shy away from it. And maybe the first step for you is that tomorrow at work, a co-worker says to you, how was your weekend? What do you get up to over the weekend? And the first thing you say to him or her 
is that, you know what? On Sunday, I was at church. Then you could add into it that, and we talked about suffering. <laughs> Will it be awkward? Possibly. It's, maybe it's going to be awkward. Could you be ridiculed for it? You could be ridiculed for it. Could it escalate into something else that they now begin to kind of look at you and say, oh, yeah, this person, Christian, we better watch him, we better watch her? It could. But, you know, as Christians, we have to be prepared for this. As Christians, we must expect these fiery ordeals that will test us. Don't let them surprise you. Don't ever let it come as a surprise. The surprise sometimes should be that you say something, you make a declaration that you're a Christian, and there's no reaction. People just kind of, okay, and they move on. You know, you ask, we, want, we want to stir something up. Either we want, to, want them to question and say, oh, I didn't know you were a Christian. Tell me more about that. Or you want the other thing and say, oh, yeah, you're a Christian. Oh, well, yeah, we know about you Christians, you know, with your weird, strange beliefs. We want some kind of reaction. You know, Christ never left people in a lukewarm situation. They either loved him and wanted to know more, or they wanted to persecute him. They wanted to kill him. It was one or the other. That he never left people in this kind of middle ground. Oh, we don't know what to make about Christ. No. And we should never leave people in, a middle, in, a, in that kind of middle ground. They should see us and know exactly what it is that they want to make about us. You know, as we do these things, you know, let's rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice that you can be counted worthy. You know, the early disciples, I think Peter and John, they were whipped in Acts chapter 5. They were whipped and sent off their way. And we're told that they rejoiced because they counted it worthy to suffer for this, for the sake of that, of that name. So let's rejoice whenever we, whenever we have those opportunities to suffer for our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And let's keep our eyes fixed on our eternal hope. And just one last thing I want to say. Suffer for the right reason. You know, Peter says, don't suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler, a busybody. If you're suffering for those reasons, you are suffering. I I, I wouldn't say it's a deserved suffering, but it is kind of deserved, but you are suffering for the wrong reasons. As Christians, we should never put the name of our God to shame or dishonor in that kind of way, no. No matter how far we feel pushed, we don't push back. We always, always, always behave well, live our lives, do the good works that Christ has called us to do. And as we do this, God is glorified. You know, Peter talks today about glorifying God in those circumstances. As we do it, God is glorified. And who knows whose life you'll touch? Who knows? Perhaps one of those people that is causing you to suffer. Who knows whether they would look at your reaction, look at how you react in that situation and you say, you know what? There's something different about this person. How can they rejoice? With all we're doing, with all we're saying to them, how can they rejoice? And he said, I want to have what they have. Because if I have what they have, I know that my life will be changed. My life will not remain the same. So I want to encourage us, church, it's a difficult, sometimes a difficult topic, something that we don't often like to talk about, but it is something that I believe that we're called to. And that when those times come, let's follow these words of Peter and be people, Christians, 
who will suffer well. Let's pray. I just want to give us some time just to handle this in our own, in our own way. You know, how has this word spoken to you this morning? Are you someone that's always kind of shied away from any situation that could put you in a place where people would um, persecute you or attack you because of your faith? And maybe this morning you want to say, Lord, I want to be out there because this is something that I should expect to happen. You want to reach out to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I need more of you. Because I know that I cannot do this without you. I cannot live this kind of life without you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We give you praise and we give you glory. Thank you, Father, for your word, Lord. You, know, you say that the entrance of your word brings light and understanding to the simple, Lord. And Father, we've heard your word this morning about a topic that we maybe don't often like talking about because it's just not one of those things that we often want to think about. We all like lives of comfort and ease, Lord. But this is one of those things that we have to come to terms with and get to grips with as Christians. The fact that at different points in, of, in life, that we, will, we may, we will be called to suffer for the sake, for the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that when those times come, Lord, that we will do it well, Lord. We will be people who will be able to find that place where we can rejoice in the midst of suffering, where we can rejoice because we're counting it worthy, that we can be counted worthy to suffer dishonour for the sake of the name of Christ, Lord. So help us in this, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit. I pray that when those times come, we will experience things like Stephen experienced, where full of the Spirit, he gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God and then Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, at the right hand of the Father. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I just pray if there is anybody here who is going through a difficult time, Lord, maybe with family, with friends, maybe at work, Lord, where they are kind of facing a, a, an, an ordeal, a fiery ordeal because of their faith, Lord. I pray that they'll be able to find that joy, be able to find that, that intimacy with Christ, be able to find that joy that of the Spirit, Lord, in the midst of that situation, Lord. Father, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.